My name is Lila Johnson and I'm 12 years old. I lived with my mom when I was little. Sometimes my dad was there, but when he wasn't there, I missed him and sometimes I would cry and ask my mom where he was. She told me he was sick and trying to get help. I didn't really understand. I just knew that I liked it when he was there because he would play with me and we would laugh and have fun. When, when you're, when you're, when addiction and sin has such a strain, they're, they're synonymous with each other. When they, and it has such a stranglehold on you that you'll compromise the safety of your children. And you can't, and you don't, you don't know how to fix it. I would, uh, I would lock myself in my bathroom with, with, uh, needles and pipes and Tabitha would be at work. Lila would sit outside the door of the bathroom crying, begging me to come out. I'd stay locked in there for hours. And I'd come out and, you know, I read that thing she wrote and she'd say, well, how daddy would play with her. I'd play with her for a minute and then I'd go back in the bathroom. Oh. I seen him in a hospital and in jail a few times. When he was around, I didn't want to leave. I would beg him not to leave because I was afraid he wouldn't come back. From March 8th till about April, about mid-April, I, I did as much as I could, as fast as I could, as hard as I could. And uh, I had a I had a severe attack on my pancreas. Layla, my brother, sat her on my bed, and it was everything came clear. It's like I'm talking to you now. I literally felt this: the drugs, the anesthesia, everything wore off, and it was. You know, people talk about moments of clarity. I'll never forget that moment. She looked at me. I could just feel what she was thinking. And at that moment, I cried out to God. First time ever really cried out. And I wasn't, uh, I wasn't sad that I had gotten called or my, my, you know, the circumstances around it. I was, I was, I was truly broken and repentant of my life. Everything. And I promised him right there to get me out of this and, I, and I'll do whatever you want me to do. I pulled up in Waverly looking for this treatment center and uh, the first person I, I, I pull up and I see this guy's got long hair, I mean a mullet, like Billy Ray Cyrus mullet. <laughs> I swear. 
these two earrings, just long, these dangly earrings. And I thought, well, he's kind of probably my type of people. I, said, I talked to him, said, he said, what, what are you looking for? And I said, a Christian treatment center. Uh, somewhere around here, it's called the Hope Center. He said, well, you found it. I said, what are you talking about? Uh, he said, well, I work there. And I said, you're going to be the man that saves my life, huh? You know, John, and he said, no, but I, he said, I'm fixing to show you who will. They did this altar call, and Rick came and said, come on. I said, where are we going? He said, you're going to come down here. I thought, I don't want to go down there. He said, no, just come on, man. I'll walk down there with you. And so I, I stood up, and I walked down there, and I got on my knees. And uh, everything left. This, I began to pray, and as I was praying, and uh, I just felt this peace that, that I, I, you know, I've felt very few times since then come over me. And I just started feeling people's hands on my feet, on my legs, everywhere. And that was the first time in probably my life but it was the first time in my life that I knew everything was going to be okay I didn't know how but I just knew when it was time for him to leave the Hope Center him and my mom got married I was happier than I could ever been because I knew we would all live together and be a happy family now my dad is there for me every day. He teaches me good values and how to be a Christian. He's a great example to me and my sister and my mom. He works hard to help other people and spends time with us too. I believe God used the Hope Center to save my dad's life and our family. You know, I'll sit back at my house and I do it a lot, a whole lot. A lot of people don't know. But I'll get up and I'll just look at my family and I look at my house and I just watch them sleep and I watch them play and I'm just, I'm so amazed. I can't even, I don't even know, there's not words to describe it because what I was uh, once bound to, um, I mean, there's no other, there's no other explanation other than God. There's no, it's, it's, it's an absolute miracle. I just know now there's no way God would have saved me all them times and brought me out of that uh, that state of hopelessness, that state of despair, and showed me the way out had he not expected me to show others. So that's uh, why I do what I do today. Today, we start a series called Real People, Real Stories, and I chose to share Shannon and Layla's story. And um, Shannon was a colleague of mine. I called him my friend. Shannon passed away uh, several months back. And I chose to share Shannon's story today because God didn't take him, like he said, through all the things that he went through and set him free for his story to stop when he took his last breath on this earth. And I chose today to share my buddy Shannon's story with you because Shannon's story is a real story. 
Some of you in this room probably knew who Shannon was. His daughter had her eighth grade prom last night. And it's our responsibility, the people that surround Shannon's family, it's our responsibility to make sure Sharon, Shannon's story continues to live out. Amen? And I have a story similar to Shannon's story. Some of you in the room, you have a story that's familiar or similar to Shannon's story. Some of you, you just have a story and you're trying to figure out, man, in my story, how can God help me? Because my life is not great. My life is a wreck. I'm going to tell you, just like God helped Shannon, God can help you today. Amen? Some of you, you're sitting here today and you have a story like Shannon's story and God has set you free in the name of Jesus. Come on. Is there anybody in here like that? As I was thinking of this series in week one, I wanted to uh, teach out of a specific text. I want to preface it by just giving you a, a snapshot of what was happening before we go into Mark chapter 5. So if you want to turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 5, we're going to read verses 1 through 5. But before so, in Mark chapter 4, Jesus is hanging out with the multitudes. There's a tons of people, thousands of people around Jesus. Jesus looks at the disciples and he says, let us cross over to the other side. Now, that was just probably a general statement to most of the disciples. They really didn't know what was going to happen on the other side or why Jesus wanted to go to the other side. But I am thankful that Jesus is willing to go to the other side. Are you all with me? Jesus went to the other side for people like Shannon Johnson, for people like Jamie, for people like you. Jesus chooses to go through storms to get to where you're at. Jesus chose to die on a cross so that you would know He loved you so much that in the midst of your trials and persecutions and all the things that you're going through, your sufferings, you would know that there was a Savior who loved you and cared about your story. Most of you probably know Mark chapter 4 and you can kind of read it uh, later this afternoon or, or during your Bible study time during the week. Just kind of go back and read uh, through some of the texts that I'm talking about. But on the way to the other side, Jesus encounters a storm. Jesus was where at? In the storm. In the boat. Some of you said in the boat. Well, yes, he was in the boat. He was in the stern of the boat, which is, means he was in the bottom of the boat and he was sleeping, the Bible says, on a pillow. Now, I could preach 15 sermons today in this text because it'd be nice to learn how to sleep on a pillow the way that Jesus did in the midst of life's storms, okay? But I don't want to stop right there. The disciples, they were very fearful. They didn't really understand what was going on. They go down, they, they wake up Jesus. Jesus gets up, and what does this Jesus do? What does Jesus do? He calms the storm. Y'all remember the three words that he said? Peace. Look, Bible scholars in the room today. Thank you so much. Thank you for reading your Bible. Peace be still. And the Bible says that the winds and the waves ceased. Because of Jesus and who Jesus was, the winds and the waves, they absolutely ceased. And he taught the disciples a lesson that day. You're going to have to, if you want to go to the other side, if you're going to go to the people who are unreached, if you're going to find people who actually need me, you're going to have to go through some things yourself. 
But don't look at it at surface value. You look at who's in the boat with you. If you just continue to follow me, I promise you, we're going to get to the other side and we're going to be fine. And after all of that, they arrive safely on the other side of the lake, but they're met with another challenge. A real person with a real story. Mark chapter 5. Read it with me right here. Mark chapter 5. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no one could bind him, not even with chains. Because he had often been bound with shackles and chains and the chains had been pulled apart by him and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. Verse 5. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. Let me pray with you today. Father, thank you for this opportunity that I have today. Number one, to share my friend's story. I pray, God, that maybe someone in this room is reached and touched by Shannon's story, Layla's story. God, that they'll begin to realize that they need a change in their life. And God, it's only through you that that change comes. Just like Shannon gave his life over to you, there may be people in this room or watching by video today that need to give everything over to you. If that's the case, I pray that you'll begin to deal with each and every one of our hearts. Believers and non-believers alike, teach us something through your word. I step out of the way today. I allow your precious Holy Spirit to come in to move and to make us into who you've created us to be. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen. You want to know why I what I love about this story? You want to know what I love about this story? I love the heart of Jesus. Jesus has a huge heart, doesn't he? Jesus went to this guy. Jesus didn't have to make the decision that day to tell the disciples, hey, let's go over to the other side. But Jesus made that decision. Jesus went to the other side for this specific guy. And let me tell you, you may not have thought about this, but let's just kind of break it down and really think in detail of what is happening in this specific situation. Jesus is crossing many boundaries to get to this guy. The first one is a geographical boundary. There was a sea in between them. And Jesus, instead of saying, hey, you know what, there's probably going to be a squall later on, he knew the weather forecast, amen. Channel 2 and Channel 4 and Channel 17 may not know the weather forecast, but Jesus did. Okay, he knew what was going to happen. He knew that he was going to have to go through a storm, but he was worth it. Jesus knew that he was going to have to die on a cross, but you were worth it. Amen? He crossed geographical boundaries. Not only that, ethnic boundaries. Ethnic boundaries. These, these people... Uh, in, in the land of the Gadarenes had not heard the gospel. They didn't really know who Jesus was. But Jesus just don't go and minister to people like him. I wish every Christian in this room would listen to me. <laughs> Jesus didn't go out and reach everybody that was just like him. This was a Gentile region. Jews didn't fellowship with Gentiles. He broke religious boundaries. These were unclean people. I was speaking to somebody this morning, and I think if we as a church, when I say a church, just a body of believers as a whole, we need to start breaking some religious barriers. 
I was, I was literally talking to someone this morning and they began to tell me about different denominations and how this denomination won't fellowship with that denomination. I don't think that that's godly. I just don't think it's godly. You can say whatever you want to say. I don't think Jesus cares about our denomination. I'm preaching better than y'all's amen it. And I'm not knocking a denomination. I'm not knocking structure. I'm not knocking any of that. But when a denomination comes in the way of you fellowshipping with a brother or sister of Christ or going after somebody that may not believe the way that you believe, then something is wrong. Amen? This guy right here was the worst of the worst. Some of you, how many of you know somebody that's the worst of the worst? Quit pointing. Quit it. Stop it. You shouldn't do that in church, right? But this guy was the worst of the worst, but Jesus gave his attention to him. Why? Because he was just a real person with a real story. That's all he was. He was just somebody that needed help. Maybe that person that gets on your nerves just needs help. Come on. Maybe, maybe, maybe the person in your life that you don't want to talk to, maybe they just need help. Maybe that's why they got an attitude. Maybe that's why they're cheating. Maybe that's why they're lying. Maybe that's why they're doing drugs. Maybe that's why they're where they are. Because they need somebody to reach out to them. Why would Jesus go all the way over to the other side? I'll tell you why. To reach the one. He left the multitudes, the people that were probably... Listen, if Jesus was in our culture today, He would probably be called the Joel Osteen of, of our time. Because thousands... See, some of you got offended right then. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people just flocked around Jesus. People would probably say, oh, well, He's just a celebrity preacher. Right? But here was the heart of Jesus. He left the multitude to go after the demoniac... This man with no identity, but he was someone's son. I want you to think about this with a filter. As, as, as you are listening to me, think about your family members. Think about the people in your life that you would call a demoniac. Somebody that's just the worst of the worst. You can't be around them. Nobody wants to be. This guy was a loner. But he was someone's son. He was someone's brother. He was someone's grandson. The Bible says for many years he had been like this. I don't know how old this guy was, but he wasn't a teenager. Who knew? He was someone's uncle. Oh, yeah, is your Uncle Rob around? Yeah, he's hanging out down at the tombs. Don't go around Uncle Rob, I tell you. He's the worst of the worst. Huh. He was replaced. His spirit was replaced by something he didn't understand. He couldn't control, and he could not overcome. He couldn't. He was suffering and he was segregated. No one wanted to be around him. The Bible said that he was naked. Do you want to, you want to know what naked represents? It's a symbol of shame. Have you ever been in a point in your life where you just are so ashamed of who you have become? You may not be physically naked, but you're sitting there and you're naked. You're ashamed. You're filled with shame. The Bible says that he cut himself. Now, did you see how naturally that just comes to me? Cut yourself because we know of cutters and we know people who try to replace the pain in their life with other types of pain. There's real people out there with those types of stories. 
See, but in the Greek there, when you, when you read about him cutting himself, the Greek term is atolopsis. I may have said that wrong, but you don't know if I did or not, okay? Which liter- literally translated is self-stoning. Self-stoning. In the ancient world, this was a ritual form of execution. The enemy that was on the inside of him was trying to get him to kill himself daily. Daily. The Bible says that he lived among the tombs, which resembled that he was already dead. Too far gone. Too messed up. Let me tell somebody in this room today, you will never be too far gone and you will never be too messed up for Jesus Christ to come and get you. You may be too far gone for them, but you're not too far gone for Him. Amen? Have you ever witnessed to somebody or had someone in your family that they're just too far gone? They're too messed up. Those are the types of people that Jesus is calling the church to go out and get. That's who we should be reaching. We shouldn't be trying to swap fish with other churches because they look good. We ought to be going out and getting the roughest of the rough people. We ought to be going out and getting people who need Jesus. Jesus left all the people who was hearing His words. They were hearing all the good things that Jesus was saying, all the parables that Jesus was teaching. But He knew on the other side there was a man who needed His true word. He just needed the presence of God. Don't you know stuff changes when you get into the presence of God? I'm sorry for spitting. I get excited sometimes. I just do. I can't help it. Turn with me. Mark chapter 5. Let's go on to Mark chapter 5, verses 5 or, or 6 through 8. Let's go on. And when he saw Jesus from afar. Now, I want you to watch what happens to this man. When he sees Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. Now, how can a demon-possessed man run and worship Jesus just at the sight? I'll tell you why. Because even the demons fear and tremble in the presence of an almighty God. And the Bible goes on and answers that question. Listen to what it says. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me so I don't want to get crazy super spiritual not so up here but this guy was possessed by a demon he was a demon possessed man it wasn't this guy it wasn't that the guy come out of the tombs and he was I don't know what he was acting like right and he comes out of the tombs and he goes oh hey Jesus how you doing it's good to see you today, man. Thank you for coming. Uh, welcome to Graveville. It's awesome. People are dying to get here. That's a corny joke, right? Okay. It's not that he did that. This was the enemy speaking to him. But here's what I love in verse 8. For he said to him, Come out of that man, you unclean spirit. See, the enemy always wants to fall down before Jesus. It's all a front. It's all a show. Just wants to fall down before Jesus. Oh, let me worship him. Because the enemy knows he has to worship. That's deity. Even the demons have to worship Jesus. 
Are you understanding me? The demon, the thing, the enemy that is trying to control your life knows that if you'll ever grasp the thought that you have something in you that's greater than he, he has to bow. Are you understanding me? Here's what happened right here in this situation. Demons submitted. They recognized who Jesus was. The demons had to submit. The demons were fearful. They don't want change. Let me tell you about the enemy that lives in you. If you've got a little bit of the enemy in you, he don't want you to change. He wants you to stay the same. He wants you to be discouraged. He wants you to be oppressed. He wants you to be depressed. He wants you to live a bad life. He wants you to worry about everything. He don't want to be out of you. And when Jesus comes in, let me tell you something. Jesus comes to set the captive free. At the name of Jesus, demons flee. Amen? 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. You are of God, little children. I'm talking to each and every one of you. And have overcome them, the enemy. How? Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You ought to give God a big old hand clap today. If Jesus could come back and stand in the church, I say things that are very controversial from time to time, but that's cool. I'm just going to be led by the Holy Spirit. Is that okay? Because I think if we need anything today, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit living in us. It's amazing to me, when you have the Holy Spirit around you, demons tremble. I believe if Jesus could come back and stand even in front of this specific group of people today, here's what he would say. Come out of that man, you unclean spirit. Be filled with the spirit of the living God. Hallelujah. I got my Billy Graham preach on today. Now play with me. Why? Because we have the authority over the enemy through Jesus Christ. We've got that authority. Now let's just go back to practical thinking. What if Jesus would have been content with the multitudes that were already following him and didn't worry about who was on the other side? What if Jesus pastored a church and began to get content with the people he had and didn't focus on the people that were still lost and broken and needed help? I said this a few weeks ago. It may have been five or six. It may have been a year. I don't know. My weeks go by very quick. Okay? So I said this a few weeks ago, but I made this statement. Somebody came to me, and our church is just growing leaps and bounds. It's only God, I promise you. God, God, through the precious Holy Spirit, He's pouring out upon this church. He's delivering people, helping people, setting people free. It's an amazing thing. If you're watching online right now, you, can, you can't experience this online. You need to get yourself here. I'm just saying, God's doing something. God is doing something. And somebody asked me, when, when's enough enough? I said, what denomination are you from? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Right? No, but they, they made a comment. When is enough enough? Here's my statement. Enough is never enough. There's never enough. I could get content as a pastor and say, hey, I'm, I'm pastoring a church of over a thousand people. Man, that's awesome. I, that's, that's great. W okay, fine. That's a, is that the only people that's in your city? 
Are there people right now that are not attending church on a Sunday morning in Dixon, Tennessee, let alone White Bluff and Burns and all these other cities that are around us? What do you mean when is enough enough? I am willing to leave all of you to go outside of this building and reach people for Jesus. I love you. I love you. But there's other people who need this. There's other people who need the Word of God. Let us make a commitment together as a church. Let us never get content. Come on, will you, will you say, I, I need some affirmation right now. Would you be a church? I'm talking about a group of people who will never get content and just come to church for you and you only. Would, would, would you please just continue to be the people because you're already that people, but would you continue to be the people who bring people to church who need God? Come on, I, I have to have some affirmation. Well, could we just be that church? Why? Because Jesus is looking and He's searching for real people with real stories that He can set free just like He set this man free. Because the truth is, people don't know how to respond to true freedom. I remember when I first gave my life to the Lord. I was rough. When I say rough, I've never stayed all night in jail. Okay? So I wasn't too rough. Alright? I've been to jail, but I always bailed out of jail. Okay? And when I say rough, I, I probably wasn't as rough as some people in this room. But I got into a lot of trouble. And I can remember when I gave my life to the Lord that I would drive. Now, I drove, a, I think it was a 1998 S10 Lowrider. I had me some 20s on it back then, 20s. I don't even know. They, I think they just come out. Some 20, 10, 10. I mean, some 20s, you know what I'm saying? So that thing was scraping. Couldn't even go down a gravel road. I would just grade the gravel if I did. I mean, it was, it was as low as you go. And I was still bumping my music because I would bump some music from time to time. Don't judge me. Some of you still bumping music. You 43 years old. Quit bumping music. What you doing? What you got in your car? 12-inch, man. Some 12-inch kickers, man. Dude, you 63. What's wrong? Are you serious? You are stuck. But the truth is, I would go through town. Why are you pulling me over? Get out the vehicle. Well, why are you pulling me over? Well, you didn't turn your blinker on back here. I didn't even turn anywhere. What are you talking about? I'm serious. It was harassment for a season. I'm not kidding. Every time, I could not go through the middle of town or I would have to drive other vehicles. I eventually traded my truck. I got smart, okay? I, I lived in a country area, so I got me a big jacked-up Z71 pickup. Then they found out that I drove that one and started pulling me over, searching my vehicle. We're just seeing if you got any drugs on you because this is a front. One cop told me one time, he said, this is a front. Why? Because some people, some people don't know how to respond to true freedom. When I started pastoring a church in the same town, some of those same policemen came and sat in the congregation to go, if he could do it to that guy, he could do it to anybody. They wanted to see, but some of them, seriously, some of them still said it's a front. I wonder how many people, after this man was set free, said that's a front. I wonder how many people are looking at you in your life and saying that's a front. 
Oh, man, he's three weeks into it. He gave his life to the Lord. Oh, man, what was it, five weeks ago, six weeks ago at some Easter service? Oh, yeah, that church down there is a very emotional church. They get people's emotions all riled up, and then they have people walk across the stage throwing down rocks. What kind of church does that type of stuff? Probably a cult. I mean, that's just crazy. And now this, this, she thinks that she's changed. Does she not know where she was eight weeks ago? Mark chapter 5, verse 15. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. What? See, I could preach... Every time I preach, I feel like I'm preaching about 17 different sermons because I could preach another one right here. It's funny. It's amazing to me how Jesus don't just meet our spiritual needs, but he also meets our physical needs. Because did you hear? This guy is sitting here. He was demon-possessed with a legion. I don't know if you know what a legion is, but a legion in that time, when they would say a legion, that would be an army of 6,000 men. Jesus has to do, what's your name? Legion. You know, I don't know what he said or how he said it, but it was like, oh my goodness. Something's not going to be happy here. But he's sitting and clothed. I bet you Jesus got out the boat and said, hey, 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 yeah, you, you, hey, grab a change of clothes, follow me. A what, Jesus? You need a what? What's Jesus need to change your clothes for, man? Just get the clothes and follow me. Because Jesus don't just come into our lives to meet our spiritual needs. He also is here to meet our physical needs. But the Bible goes on in Mark 5.15 and says, And they were afraid. They didn't understand it. They didn't get it. The townspeople here demanded at that point that Jesus leave the region. Could you imagine? Jesus comes in and sets the crazy guy free and everybody's saying, you're going to have to get out of here. Why? Because they knew who Legion was. They knew how he acted. But they didn't know Jesus. That's pretty good. See, even you, if you don't watch it, you know your old life but you don't know your new life. And sometimes you would rather go back to your old life because it's familiar. When I'm encouraging you today, no, just stay in your new life and pray and ask God to lead you through that new life and to use you with your new life because that's what happened right here with this guy. Mark chapter 5, 18 through 20, I'm almost done. And when he got into the boat, Jesus looks at this guy. He's coming down. He's eating a meal with him. He's in his right mind. Jesus clothed him. He's having a normal conversation. And when he got into the boat, he being Jesus, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. Listen, look at me. Jesus, I'm so excited. I can remember things that happened to me years ago. I can remember, I, I, I think I have a family. I, I, think, uh, I think that that I could do something good with myself, but I have to go with you, Jesus. You set me free. Can I just go with you? And if Jesus would have been a leader in the modern-day church, some church folk would be mad at him here in a minute. Because look at what Jesus says. However, Jesus didn't permit him. No, you can't go with me. Sorry, man. I understand the experience that you just had. It was a high, man. It was great. You feel better today than you ever had. Those demons are gone. Those things that have conflicted you and afflicted you are gone. 
You never have to worry about them again, but you can't come with me. Now, how heartbroken would someone be if they looked at Jesus and Jesus said, no, you can't come with me. But I think Jesus answered it with a higher calling. See, a lot of times we think our high calling is just coming and getting in the presence of Jesus once a week. That's not our high calling. Well, I'm a real person with a real story. I've been delivered. I've been set free. And I'm going to come and I'm going to celebrate Jesus. You just come and celebrate Jesus. But you make sure that you do what Jesus told this guy to do once you come and celebrate Jesus on a Sunday morning. Listen to what he said. Y'all ready? Go home to your friends. Tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to what? What did he do? Say it again. He began to proclaim in Decapolis, which was in a region with 10 cities in it. This dude became an evangelist. The, evangel the call of an evangelist to Jesus was a lot greater than just hanging on my shirt tail, man. He became an evangelist. He departed, went to Decapolis and told all that Jesus had done for him and all what? Marvel. Y'all remember that song? Look what the Lord hath done. Y'all remember that? He wrote that song. I'm serious. For me. Ooh. Look what the Lord hath done. Yeah. Huh? Right? He healed my body. He took my mind. Y'all don't get me to singing and softening today. Y'all don't even want none of this. I promise. <laughs> Come on, Jimmy. Let's do it for the Lord. No longer the demoniac, but a delivered man. Jesus says, I want you to return home and tell your story. I want you to tell your story to those people who remember your former life. Remember how you used to be. I want you to go back and I want you to tell that story to those people who mocked you and who feared you. Are you with me? Church, we have a great calling on our life. And you know what our calling is? Our story. You say, but Pastor Jamie, you don't understand my story. I don't care about your story and how bad it is right now. Why? Because I know the author and the finisher of our faith. I know the one that wrote you into existence. I know you took the pen away and you begin to script a few things. But Jesus just wants to grab that pen back from you and say, Hey, look, I know the plans that you had for you, but my plans are a lot higher than your plans. And He just wants to begin to script your life into the very thing that He's called you to be. <laughs> Listen, salvation should result in this. Go tell them what the Lord has done. I'm about to offend 10 of you in the room. Maybe 50. Salvation is not there so we can get into a Bible study. And that's it. And as long as we grow in the Lord. I don't want to get in heaven and look at Jesus and say, Hey Jesus, I grew in you while I was there. It was a good one. And I'm not belittling Bible studies. We have life groups. If you're not in one, get in one. 
The salvation didn't come to you so that you could go and learn about God and that's it. It's so that you could come in, learn about God and go tell somebody your story. Why? Because we are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and what? And the word of our testimony. You're an overcomer for your testimony. You're an overcomer because of your story. Some people's not going to like your story. But Jesus will support you in your story. I want you to imagine this with me. Because there's power in this story that we're talking about, even on the inside of you. But I want you to dream with me just for a moment. I know we say, and it's the truth, and guys, I am blown away every week at Compassion Church, Dixon. I'm blown away. But I wonder what our church would look like. I wonder what the reach of Jesus would be in our city if we would allow Jesus to set us free so that we can tell our story. I wonder how many people, Jimmy, in one week could come back if we all made a commitment and a vow to one another to go outside these four walls today and within the next six days, within the next seven, to bring somebody back with us to tell our story to somebody. I wonder the culture. I wonder what, what our church would begin to transform like. I wonder what you as a believer would look like. I wonder how many lives would begin to be changed. Because, you know, some people may, you may share your story with somebody and they go down to the Baptist church. And some people's like, hey, no, 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 I shared your story. I shared my story with you so you'd come to church with me. Heck with that. I think when God's on the move and the waters rise, all ships rise. I think there's a move of God in our city. I think that God's wanting to do something in our city, whether uh, you're a Baptist or a Methodist or a Church of Christ or a Pentecostal or a non-denominational, it don't matter. I just think God's looking for a people that'll share their story. Are you willing? Think about it. Are you willing? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let me pray with you just for a minute. Maybe you're sitting in this room and you say, Pastor Jimmy, I want to be able to share my story one day with people. But you don't understand because there's no redemption in my story. I've been lost. I was raised in church. I had a lot of good things going for me, but it went south. So Pastor Jamie, I've I still got things in my life that need to be gone, that I keep holding on to because it's familiar things. And I feel like sometimes that the enemy in me is powerful, more powerful than the God that you're talking about. See, some of you may be having those types of thoughts. But let me tell you something. The God that I talked about today, Jesus Christ, is more powerful than anything that's happening in your life. And if you'll give things over to Him, whether you're in this room or watching online right now, if you give things over to Him, He will set you free just like He set that guy free in Mark chapter 5. God wants to bring salvation to your soul. For some of you, it's not salvation. You're saved. But you've got things in your life that's holding you back from the true relationship that God has for you. 
deliverance is in your future? If that's you today, would you just slip up your hand? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Just keep them up, yes, thank you. Anybody else? Yes, thank you right there. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, people just raising their hands here. I see you, yes, yes, thank you right back there. Here's what I want to do. I'm going to pray with you. Maybe some of you viewing in online, you're sitting there and you're saying, hey, that's me too. What do I do? Just pray this prayer. Pray it with everything that you have. Pray it like you mean it. Say it with me today. Say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I confess my sins to you today. I believe that you died on a cross and rose on the third day for me. Become my Lord and my Savior right now and use me from this day forward in Jesus name Amen come on give God a big old hand clap come on come on God's good isn't he